Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Could just be in me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Welcome to, to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about something that did happen that sucked enormously. Um, I'm Christopher Wong. I'm, I'm, I'm the host. Also with me is Garrison and Sophie. Hello. We just, Good morning. Just really starting off positive there. I uh, it's <laughs> look <laughs> it's it's this, this episode the next episode I mean I guess this episode kind of ends in a high note but that's great to hear I'm so happy I totally yeah. believe you <laughs> I, it kind of does okay. <laughs> all right yeah uh Shireen is also here hello hi sorry my fault keep going no worries <laughs> So th- this is this is the the thirty third anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre. Um, tomorrow's episode, I think, will actually be going out on, I guess, the day that it started. Kind of, it starts like the night of like June third. Um, and okay, I'm I'm curious what you two's like. I don't know, like received like cultural memory of Tiananmen is because I don't know. I think I got a kind of weird one, like being from a Chinese family, but. As a white Canadian, I have zero amount of my uh, <laughs> knowledge about the Tiananmen Square Massacre, nor really about Tiananmen. Uh, it just, yeah, that is something I never, never have really learned about. Yeah, I, I know that it happened in 1989. That's, Amer- that's the American uh, uh, <laughs> lesson we got on the history of that massacre, that it happened in 1989 really mediocre yeah <laughs> okay well today and tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna go well we're, we're gonna talk i think less about what happened there specifically and more about the sort of broader history that's in but i guess let's start out so in some sense there, there's there's really three Tiananmen's. um there's there's the student protest that's inside Tiananmen square itself there's this part of Beijing, like around the squares, like a bunch of blocks are taken over by workers. And then 
there's a bunch of protests in other cities. And uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be talking about the protests in the other cities because, like, basically nothing is known about them other than that, like, they happened, but the people who would know aren't talking. So, for some, somewhat obvious reasons. Um, yeah, and... The students themselves, I, I think, like the 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 normal version of Tiananmen is, is like, like these there's these students and they're like pro democracy protesters, right? But they're way weirder than that. There's there's like this weird ideological grab bag thing going on. Um, they're they're basically what they're pissed off about is that this thing that's called the reform and opening like isn't going fast enough, and we should talk about what that sort of is. So reform and opening is like it's this period in China in sort of the eighties and some extent the nineties. Um and on the one hand, you have these sort of steps to like ease restrictions on speech and like rehabilitate intellectuals and like allow for a broader public discourse. But the other half of it is that like they're they're bringing they're basically they're bringing markets back to China, right? And this this is a shit show in a lot of ways. If you want to hear about like the CCP reinventing debt peonage in about five years. Um, go listen to my bastards episode, the poison milk scandal. It's a it's a trip. But on the other hand, you have you know, so, so you have kind of like opening up, right? You you have just more discourse. You're they're not persecuting intellectuals again, um, sort of. They're 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 de persecuting the intellectuals that they had persecuted. Um, but on the other hand, you get this absolutely draconian sort of like set of crackdowns in the social sphere. You have the one child policy. You have this like really powerful tightening of one man rule in the factory and you have the sort of the, the destruction of these form we'll, we'll get into this more later but like the the sort of limited decision making capacity that workers had had in the factories um just is sort of dismantled and so you see these sort of gaps beginning to form here right like on the one hand you have these students who want market reforms to go faster they want more freedom of speech they like kind of want democracy but like mostly what they want is to be in charge of the party so they can crush the sort of, like, bureaucracy they see as holding market reforms back. And it, it's worth noting that, like, a lot of these students are involved in what becomes known as neo-authoritarianism, which is the sort of ideology that holds that, like, the strong central party should take full control of society and destroy the factions and the bureaucracy, and so, you know, and, and that that's how you can lead development. And this stuff, like, that stuff, like, neo-authoritarianism survives the protest and goes on to become, like, a... a pretty major faction in the ccp itself in the 90s and 2000s and you know this is this is where things just get weird right um the the student movement itself is very hierarchical and it gets to the point where like but by 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 the end of the student movement they're these the, the student leaders are like kidnapping each other over like who has control of the microphones and like the stages in the square it is it is extremely bizarre and, and you know in in terms of like the protests actually like inf- the, the, what the, what the protests are trying to do is they're trying to like influence this factional fight inside the CCP over like the speed at which reforms are going to go and this like, it doesn't work it's like stunningly ineffectual the, the guy they're trying to defend like winds up getting ousted and put under house arrest for the rest of his life so okay so th- those are the student protesters but. The, the the part and that, that the student protesters are the part of this that like everyone knows partly because some of those people escaped to Hong Kong and you know they're they're very influential in sort of shaping the memory there. But there's also the workers that I mentioned earlier, and the students basically like hate the workers. Um, for 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 most of the time this protest is going on, and this is I mean, this is months, right? They they literally will they will not let any of the workers go into the in, into Tiananmen Square. Like they they have they have this whole system and like in order to get into like in- increasing like like closer to the center of the square you have to be a student and then if to get to the center of the square you have to be like a, a member of the leadership it's very weird and you know and, and like one of the things the workers are trying to do is they want to carry out a general strike and the students are like no absolutely not do not do a general strike because largely because okay so if, if these people start doing a general strike like that's not something that's not under our control and. You know, okay, so th- this raises the question, like, if the relationships between the students who are at Tiananmen and the workers at Tiananmen are this bad, like, why are the workers even there? Um, and, and there's a few answers to this question. The, the sort of the simplest and most immediate one is that, like, the workers are initially, they come out because they're pissed. They, they see how badly, like, the, the, the cops and sort of, like, the party is, is treating the students in the square. 
And so they get mad, but but there, but there's there's other stuff going on too. The, the late eighties is the late eighties in China is sort of a mess economically. There, there's rampant inflation, and the, the the sort of rapid increase in prices is a threat to you know the sort of like cheap supply of grain, which is like the the, the sort of main subsidy that if you're an urban worker that you get. And meanwhile, you know you have marketization happening. So at the same time that every, the prices are increasing for everyone, and they can't get access to stuff that they need. Uh, you have just like CCP princelings like racing down the street in imported sports cars, and like these are like the only these are like the only cars, right? Like people people, I don't know, like like people are starting to get bicycles in mass, sort of in this period. But then you know it's like, hey, here's here's this like party boss guy who has a sports car. They're like spending years' salaries like gambling at racetracks, and people just get pissed off. So they 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 start organizing, and I'm I'm gonna read from. A section of a piece by Johan Zhang about what what they were doing. Um, During the struggle to obstruct the military, workers started to realize the power of their spontaneous organization and action. This was self-liberation on an unprecedented level. A huge wave of self-organization ensued. The Beijing Workers' Autonomous Federation's membership grew exponentially, and other workers' organizations, both within and across workplaces, mushroomed. The development of organizations led to a radicalization of action. Workers started organizing self-armed quasi-militias, such as picket corps and dare-to-die brigades, to monitor and broadcast the military's whereabouts. These quasi-militias were also responsible for maintaining public order so as not to provide any pretext for military intervention. In a sense, Beijing became a city self-managed by workers. It was reminiscent of Petrograd's self-armed workers organized in the Soviets in the months between Russia's February and October revolutions. At the same time, Beijing workers built many more barricades and fortifications on the street. In many factories, they organized strikes and slowdowns. A possible general strike was put on the table as well. Many workers started to build connections between factories to prepare for a general strike. And yeah, and like this is the part of it that like people don't talk about because it wasn't in the square. And I mean, the other part, the, the other faction, like factor that's going on here is that like, so the press corps is like sitting in the square. And th- this is why Tiananmen is this, this sort of like this is massive spectacle, right? Because all of this, everything that's happening here inside the square is happening like in front of the entire Western press corps. And like people are like, you know, like people are just like pointing cameras at their window, right? And, you know, but on the other hand, the, 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 the people outside of the square, like the workers outside of the square are, the workers are getting more organized. And this is like, this is absolutely unacceptable to the party. And so, yeah, on, on, on the night of June 3rd, the army just starts killing them. Um, they, they, there, there had been a couple of attempts earlier to clear, to, 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 to clear the sort of fortifications, and it hadn't really worked. But this time, like, they, 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 they're, they're able to bring in military units that aren't from Beijing, or like aren't from around the area. And they kill an enormous number of people. Um, yeah, and, and I, th- it, it's, I think it's important to note that, like, both in terms of the, of the killings that happened immediately and the political persecution like after that it's it's mostly the workers bearing this especially in the initial massacre most of the killing happens as the army's like fighting its way into the square and you know i mean they kill people in the square too but you know and eventually they they, they get into the square and this is where you get like tank man and like the, the sort of the famous accounts of the massacre but like by that point it's basically over right because one of the other things that's happened is that at, over the course of this protest, a lot of the students have left because they sort of, they sort of gave up after the like factional conflict like stopped. But so so most of the people like who are there are 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 on are on the outs are like other workers on the outside of the square trying to defend it. And when those people get killed and the ar- the army gets to the middle of the square, it's it's the whole thing's already over. And you know the, the, these protests get crushed and. You know, like before the last bullet has been fired, everyone, everyone left standing is trying to create their own narratives. But what just happened, um, the the most common one is that Tiananmen is this like clash between democracy and authoritarianism. And like, okay, to 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 some extent, that's not wrong. Although, I mean, you know, we've already mentioned that there are a lot of neo authoritarian students there. I. Uh, but like you know, okay, th- this is this is kind of a fair interpretation of what's going on. Like, there's a lot of other pro-democracy movements in this period. Like in, in the region, most famously, there's Taiwan and South Korea. Um, but the the actual question of what's happening here is 
is is is really a question of of what kind of democracy there's you know that that these people are fighting for. The the students at Tiananmen, you know, to to the extent that their democratic principles are sincere and not a cover for a sort of like deeply authoritarian version of liberalism that's you know demanded by like a sort of new class of intellectuals to oversee market reform. So to the extent that they like they actually believe in this, right? They they believe in a very narrow conception of political democracy. And, you know, th- this this democracy, this sort of political democracy operates at the level of the state, right? It's based on free citizens who are equal before the law, participating in elections to choose representatives who, like, pass laws and, you know, oversee and manage the state bureaucracy. But, you know, th- th- this model of political democracy, which is, you know, this is the one that we live under, right? It, it, it relegates the workplace to a, a, a separate economic sphere into which democracy d- doesn't extend, the capitalist firm or its state-owned equivalent remains the absolute dictatorship of capitalists and their managerial flunkies. And even, even the sort of progressive wings of the pro-democracy movement in like Taiwan and South Korea like maintain this private this private dictatorship. You know, if 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 you're a worker in one of these states, right, you get rights. You get, you know, you get the ability to form unions, you get access to the welfare state, you get you get these sort of limited protections from the worst like physical and psychological abuses that your bosses can inflict. But no no matter how progressive the pro-democracy movements actually are the legitimate the, the, Jesus sorry the legitimacy of the dictatorship of the bosses which was, was not up for dispute in, you know to 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 these sort of pro-democracy movements right pro like democracy means a democratic state and not a democratic workplace and this is this is the huge divide between what's happening at Tiananmen and what's happening like everywhere else in the world the the workers at Tiananmen are the only people left in this entire sort of like run of pro democracy movements that disagree. They they are standing against not only that like every they're standing not only against their own government, against a lot of the the students who are who are also like in, at these protests. They are standing against literally the entire tide of history itself. By 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 you know by by applying the principles of the pro democracy movement to like their own concerns right which is skyrocketing inflation, mounting debts, like rampant corruption to government officials, like skyrocketing and spiraling inequality and petty bureaucratic oppression. Beijing's working class had reinvented a old and now like largely forgotten tradition of democracy in the factory that I'm I'm going to I'm calling it democratic worker self-management because there, there's no good name for it and they're all kind of clunky. Fair. I mean, this is Based on who these people were at the time, it makes sense that all of their names for things were pretty clunky. Yeah, well, the thing is, they they, they don't name like like this. And this is one of the things about okay. One of the real problems with studying Tiananmen, right, is that like okay, so we have really good accounts from the students, right, because some of the students flee and they, they're able to make it out. We have like jack shit basically from the workers. We have what well, what we do have is we have some of the, the, the we have some of the documents they produced, and we have some a lot of interviews that were done with with the people there. And they, I don't know, they have very, very idiosyncratic ways of expressing what they believe. And so, you know, you'll get things where like, okay, they're like, okay, wait, we, we believe in the rule of law, right? And then the next sentence will be like, uh, uh, we, we, we have calculated the exact amount of surplus value that has been extracted from us according to Marx. And it's like, what? Because yeah, the thing that they're doing is like they're 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 synchronizing this new they're they're synchronizing sort of like a, a political tendency that's trying to address the sort of dual dictatorships they're dealing with, right? Like because they're, they're they're dealing at the same time with like this political dictatorship the party has, and also the fact that their bosses now like completely control everything that they do, and because of this, they you know they 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 wind up being like the last or I guess technically second to last because Argentina happens. So that that's sort of convoluted mess in itself, but they're they're in the 20th century. Like they, they are the last people who are fighting for democracy in the factory. And this like to a large extent is what Tiananmen is actually about. It's, it's the culmination of a, a century and a half long war between the democratic wing of the classical workers movement and like every single other ideology that exists. And these guys Oh, over over that century and a half long span, they're going to fight communists, they're going to fight capitalists, they're going to fight liberals and fascists and monarchies and republics and social democracies and theocracies. And at Tiananmen, they're going to lose one more time. And that defeat, the, the fact that they lose here, the fact that these people get slaughtered, the fact that 
Like, they're crushed so effectively that no one even remembers what they were... No one even remembers they exist, or, like, much less, like, what they were fighting for. This defeat is the origin of the modern world. That one man rule in the factory, like, the, 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 the individual single boss who has total control and power over you, is, in, in its sort of thousand forms, is the author of the hell that is the 21st century. And uh, when we come back from this commercial break, uh, we are going to look at the international part of the struggle that Tiananmen is sort of, like, the conclusion of. So here's some ads, uh, maybe from Woo, Amazon. Here are the a job working at their distribution center. That seems yeah. like a good paying gig. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. And we're back to uh, look at why you two also must live in uh, the, 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 the absolute one-man dictatorship in the factory. So, well, it's, it's not, 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 not as much one man, it's... The one algorithm you have to you have to listen to what your iPad tells you when you're walking through the Amazon di- distribution center. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they have. <laughs> they, they, it, it is funny because it's like they, we they, they've somehow made a worse version of it. It was like okay, they sure so have. Now, yeah, it's like it's, it's it, yeah, it's like okay now now, now now you are ruled by a computer whose whose job it is to make one person an extremely large amount of money. It's even fur- further like depersonalized and 
further disjointed from actually being a human. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. There's there's there, there, there there's some metaphor here which, if I wasn't like sick out of my mind, uh, about how like power depersonalizes and dehumanizes you until the point where you're replaced with a machine that you can make here. But uh, I, I don't know. One in one in every two days, the room will randomly start spinning on me. So yeah, I, well, I can't. I can't do that. <laughs> the, lesson, well, the lesson here, the lesson here is, is that when you're thinking about factories and how bosses suck and how it's not great to, to work in a factory, just have a boss that tells you what to do. The lesson is, is that it can always get worse because it could always true. be a computer. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> so, okay. So to, to, to get a sense of like what this fight is and like how, how we got to Tiananmen, uh, we need to go back to the revolutions of 1848, which is at, at first glance, not, like n- not an incredibly obvious place to start. Um, okay, if if, if you want like a, a really detailed like blow for blow account of the revolutions of eighteen forty eight, uh, go listen to the revolutions podcast. Uh, it it's good. I am not gonna do it here because oh my god, there's so much stuff. But the the, the very short version is that so in in eighteen forty eight across Europe, there's a bunch of revolutions that are collectively known, while well, sometimes known as like the springtime of the peoples, and. This is this is the first revolution. This is the first wave of revolutions where socialists are like a real thing. Um, like Frederick Engels, like that Engels, like the, the Marx and Engels. Engels is like on a barricade with a rifle fighting in Prussia. There's uh. like, yeah, I'm not gonna. Sadly, I can't get into August von Willich here. But like, go 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 Google August von Willich. He's he's wild. There, there's a huge revolution in France where they like they they finally depose the king, and you know th- th- this. There's this question here. And as these revolutions look like they're winning, there's this question of how far democracy is going to go and what it's going to mean. Um, and yeah, you, you have a large thing. You have and this. This is in in a lot of ways very similar to what you're dealing with within in in China in, in 1989. Inside of France, you have the split, right? You have the split between, you know, like the, the people who are like who are like French radicals, but in the sense of like the original French Revolution, who are you know okay, they 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 want. Like they, they 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 want an elected democracy. They absolutely do not want to, like, deal with the fact that the, the that the workplace is not a democracy. And then you know, and you have you have a bunch of socialists, and the socialists are like, "Hey, can we do something about like property relations and like the fact that there's a bunch of poor people with no jobs?" And you know, and the socialists get slaughtered, but you know, they they don't die. I mean, okay. That, you just said they get slaughtered. Well, okay, so a, a lot of these people get horribly slaughtered, but a lot of them escape and like the make it out. The ideology lives on. Yeah, well, the ideology lives say. on, and, okay. and so a, a lot of the lead. Well, I mean, there's an interesting story here. Like a lot of the leaders like live on. A lot of these people, like for example, so a bunch of people flee to the U.S. and they wind up being like the like a lot of the officer corps of the Union Army in, in the Civil War is made up by these by these socialists who like had to flee after the revolutions failed. And like Prussia and stuff, but yeah, they're, they're, so but many of them do, in fact, die. Die, yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't go great for them. It and and you know and you 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 get to see one of the other things that's going to happen a lot, which is that okay, so like the 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 the, the sort of like the the the, the French like like the, the 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 French radicals who are like pro capitalism but also pro democracy like ally yeah. with the conservative factions and then they also all get killed when Napoleon uh, <laughs> Napoleon the 3rd takes power but man you know. it's it's really it's really it's really hard to root for someone here and that in that Yeah context. I know it's like, like this is really like like the, the the revolution produces its own gravedigger shit like oh hey what what did you expect was going to happen when you allied with like the landlords and I uh, Good thing, Napoleon III. Good thing this, like, this good thing this mistake will never nope, be made again. Nope. Uh, good good thing we're not about to talk democracy. about this. Yeah, yeah. Pay, pay no mind to the rest of this episode. Yeah. Anyway, continue. So yeah, you have the split between people who want electoral democracy, but you know, dictatorships in the workplace, and these people who want like democracy in the workplace, and this also prefigures a split inside of socialism itself. Um, for, for, you know, for, for, for the, and this isn't even, I, I'm, I, 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 like in my script, I say like for, for, for the most radical factions of socialism, 
you know, like control over the means of production, which is like the thing that you want means that like production is controlled either by like free associations of workers, like, you know, direct democratic unions. This is later called syndicalism or like workers councils. And that that's, you know, I say it's the most radical factor, but like that, that's a very popular conception of like what this is going to be. Like if you yeah. read Marx, like Marx is like, oh yeah, free associations of workers. Sure. But you know, as as the sort of like 1840s roll into the 1860s and the 1870s, the, there's this faction of the movement that becomes just like obsessed with with the bureaucratic technologies of the state, and you know, like they 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 watch the state really get involved in the economy in a way that it, it like kind of hasn't before. Then they they in over the course of sort of industrialization, they watch with like incredible envy as they see like these incredibly elaborate like planning schemes they see the, the state building roads and canals and railroads and then entire cities with like these like complex electrical grids and like gas lines and plumbing systems and especially trains like specifically trains this drives them all completely insane and they become they they, they begin to believe that like a, a single centralized planning body like not an democratic association of workers like a, a single centralized state planning body can like you know bring about the long sought after like cooperative commonwealth of socialism and all all these people get they get obsessed with like central planning right and th- this becomes this starts to sort of like consume more and more of the left um in in germany which is home to like the powerful german social democratic party which is like probably the most powerful socialist party in the world at this point the socialists become divided into two camps there, there's the revisionists led by edward bernstein who like he like renounces Marxism and revolution and like entirely in favor of reforming capitalism and the state from like within. And then, you know, you have these Orthodox Marxists that are like led by Karl Kotsky, whose whole thing is that he hates Bernstein. And like the only thing that these two people, that these two groups agree on is that I, uh, <laughs> the only thing they agree on is that bureaucratic state planning is the thing you're supposed to be fighting for and not like democratic workplaces. And this leads the SDP to like, they, they 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 do a lot of things that are like disastrous. Um, one of the things that they wind up doing a lot is like actively working with the bosses to like destroy the like workplace autonomy for their own unions. So like there'll, there'll be things where it's like like I don't they, there's, like, there's a famous example of, like there's like a like a, I think they're like a they're a metal workers union. I think they make knives or something, and th- they have a lot of control over the production process. Right, they they can control like how much stuff gets produced, the process, like how it works, like what they're actually doing. And the SDP is like, no, this is bad because this is inefficient. And so they like basically crush their own union. And this, this goes in really disastrous directions, but we're still, uh, the, the single person who becomes like the most obsessed with like the potential of bureaucratic state planning is, uh, one very, very, very obscure guy named Vladimir Ilyich Lenin. Uh, who I, I don't of, expect friend, anyone to have heard friend of. of. <laughs> friend of the pod. Of yeah. Friend, friend, friend of the pod. I just said Leninich. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Keep that in. Yeah. So as David Graeber points out, uh, Lenin's obsession with like the German postal service is such that like, okay, so he, he writes a very famous book about like what a future social state is going to be called State and Revolution. And like almost all of it is a lie. But he also says this in it. Um a witty German social democrat of the uh, 1870s called the postal service an example of the socialist economic system. This is very true. At present, the postal service is a business organized along the lines of a state capitalist monopoly, blah, blah, imperialism, this whole thing, but like imperialism is making everything also this. Uh, But so to organize the whole national economy on the lines of the postal service so that the technicians foremen, bookkeepers, as well as all officials that receive no salaries higher than a workman's wage, all under the control and leadership of the armed proletariat. This is our immediate aim. And if you think about what this means for about five seconds, right, what he's saying is that socialism is the entire economy being planned by a bureaucratic state. And, you know, this, this, like... This sits off this like massive series of confrontations with the part of the workers movement who, you know, like want to control the work that they do. And, you know, like, like make, I'm like, you know, the, the people who like, who think that like the revolution means that they're actually going to be able to make decisions over their work and not, you know, just like work for like a slightly different set of bureaucrats. And this struggle between, you know, this, the sort of like new socialist bureaucrats and like democracy in the workers movement is you know, it's 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 an enormous part of the struggle that happens here, and and there's there's like another version of it happening between the workers' movement itself and the capitalist state. Like in 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 the 1880s, 
Um, the workers' movements in like in Italy and in, uh, Germany and like France to a lesser extent that they have these they, they 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 form these parties that are called like states within a state. And you know the, these things are the, these massive networks of these workers' institutions. They have like free schools, they have workers' associations, they have like friendly societies, they have libraries, they have theaters, they have like unions, they have co-ops, they have like neighborhood associations, they have tenant unions, they have mutual aid societies, and you know, and these things are all run democratically by like by by the workers who form the associations, and you know, and like the people who are doing this are like. You know, the, the the hope is that like this is going to be the basis for the new social society, right? It's like okay, we we, we can just come together and like do this stuff. To, and we can, we can do it democratically, and we can administer this stuff ourselves. And the and these things are re- are enormously popular. Um, and you know, and and this like terrifies this the sort of old ruling class. Um, and Otto von Bismarck, who's the guy basically running the German state in this period, like. He, he his solution to this is to create like bureaucratic state-run versions of like all of these things. So he he creates like state-run libraries, state-run theaters, like state-run welfare services, and he's using these as as, as like a, a replacement to the sort of workers' institutions. And he he has this great line where he tells an American observer, "quote My idea was to bribe the working classes, or shall I say, to win them over, to regard the state as a social institution existing for their own sake and invested in the, and interested in their welfare." And like this works. This is this is an enormous success. This is one of the greatest propaganda cues ever because, like, it, it it's it's so successful in convincing people that the thing that they're fighting for is like the state bureaucratic version of this thing and not the version where they do it themselves. That like, when when the socialists like take power, they they confuse Bismarck's like literally the welfare state bribe thing that he he like made to buy off the movements. Like they confuse that with socialism itself. And like to this day, everyone believes this. It's like. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I lose my mind constantly over this because all of these things that Bismarck developed, like specifically to destroy the, so- the socialist movement, everyone was like, oh my God, this is socialism. It's like, no, no, please stop. And, you know, and th- th- this is really effective, particularly on the leadership of the movement, but like the actual, like people in these parties, like in these movements don't forget it. And, and as, as the sort of like 20th century draws to a close and you get like the, Sorry, as as the 19th century draws to a close and you get like the 20th century, the workers who are like doing the uprisings are are not sort of like like the you know the the, the workers who are doing the uprisings haven't like drinking the Kool-Aid. And the thing that they do immediately when they start doing uprisings is they start building these democratic institutions, particularly workers' councils. Um the, the most famous of these are like other workers' councils that form sort of spontaneously in the Russian revolutions of 1905 and 1917. These are like this is actually like this is what like these the they're called Soviets because Soviets is just like the word for council in Russian and th- these these things are originally these like ad hoc strike committees and then they eventually become these like like formalized like like elected bodies of representatives from like the various factories who are like coordinating a strike and okay so in 1905 they they lose and they all die but in 1917 uh they 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 do this again and they form the Soviets again and this time the councils start to take like a larger role in coordinating production directly and, you know, coordinating between different like factories and industries. And they, 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 they turn into the sort of like counterpower thing to the new government. And this kicks off this open period of warfare that stretches like literally from Italy to Argentina between the, the different socialist factions who like people, like the different factions of this movement who want democracy in the factory and this like a lot newly formed, like anti-democratic alliance of like social Democrats, Bolsheviks and capitalists who like you know are like okay well some of them are in favor of like you can have democracy okay there's a whole range of this thing right like the thing that unites all of these movements the social democrats the bolsheviks the capitalists and later the fascists is that they like emphatically like do not want democracy in the factory and they're willing to put aside their differences to make sure it doesn't happen but you know there's still there's still a huge fight that happens here between between 1917 and 1920 you get workers councils in you get workers' councils in Germany, Poland, Austria, Ukraine, Ireland, and Ireland. There's there's these like two giant revolts by syndicalist workers' unions in Brazil and Argentina, and the, these all get crushed. Um, in Italy, Italy has like one of the most intense conflicts between these like a lot of syndicalists in the Italian state, and they 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 have this this really famous like set of factory occupations where instead of like so like before this, people would go on strike, right? You go on strike and you you leave your factory. 
And in, in Italy, they were like, okay, wait, what if we just stayed in the factory and took it over so that they couldn't like, just like restart production with scabs and we now control the factory? And there's this huge wave of it in, in Italy in, in the late 19, 19 like, teens, early 1920s. And, you know, it, it looks like for a little, for like a, a bit, it, like it really looks like they're going to bring down the government. But the, the factory occupations get crushed, but they don't, they don't get crushed by the government. They get crushed by the Italian Socialist Party and like their union, the General Confederation of Labor. And like, th- this is how fascism wins in Italy. Like to a large extent, it's that like, when, when, like, you know, and, and this happens in Germany too. It's like when, 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 when sort of the social democrats and the capitalists are faced with this possibility that like workers could take over the factories, the social democrats turn on them and just kill them all. And the problem with that is that like, okay, well, who, 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 who do you do the killing with? And the answer is the fascists. And then the social democrats like themselves all get exterminated by the fascists. It, it's, it's this like, you know, it, it is, it is a, it is a, it is a terrible cycle that we're going to see like, literally over and over and over again um yeah it, it, it's bad um that sounds not great yeah <laughs> yeah i i do, do do you know who else will uh slaughter your your factory council oh no oh oh i i, I actually know this one mm. all right all right Garrison, go we have a few options here there is uh our, our good friends at the washington state patrol um, if you're trying to set up a highway business next to the highway and <laughs> run, it, run it via workers cancel, state patrol come up, be like, not on this highway, yep. and you're done. Um, probably also like Amazon or something. Who knows? Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio, ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back to see, you know, okay, okay, we, we, we are back to see, like, the worst defeats that they're going to have, that, that, like, the people who want, like, a factory council are going to have in this period, which, for once, actually has nothing to do with Amazon or the capitalists whatsoever, which is that, like, the, the worst balling they're going to get is from Lenin and the Bolsheviks, who, I, I, I don't know how many people sort of, like, know the history of the russian revolution but like the factory councils are the people who like basically put the bolsheviks in power in the first place like to a large extent like they're the, they're the, they're the people who like were the shock troops of this and like literally the moment lenin takes power he starts undermining the soviets um he, he publishes this thing like 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 three or four days after the october revolution he he publishes this thing called the draft decree on workers control which is like you know, he, he he basically is like he's he's trying to like shift power from these councils to the Bolshevik Party in the state, and this doesn't really work initially because these groups are like pretty powerful. But in, in you know he he, he pub- publicly Lenin's like no we draw we derive our power from the Soviets like we're 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 the people who support the, these councils. But then like Lenin's he's like shipping away from them, and then in 1918 he writes this thing he writes this this this. A paragraph from the immediate task of the Soviet government, which is like one of the wildest things I've ever read in my life. I was which read which this. is saying a lot. It's 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 wild. It is. Jeez. Okay. Uh, unquestioning submission to a single will is absolutely necessary for the success of labor processes that are based on large-scale machine industry. Today, the revolution demands in the interest of socialism that the masses unquestioningly obey the single will of the leaders of the labor process. Which is like, what? Like, what? How how about you I- I explain to our good viewers why that is so bonkers? Like, okay, some you, of them might just hear that and be like, "Oh, leftist words, cool." I moving mean, on. Even just the first two words, unquestioning submission, yeah, makes me like that part. Yeah. Like, unquestioning submission. The whole thing about like the masses must unquestionably obey the will of the single leader. Like, what? No, hard. This is like, like, what is happening? This is. You know, and the thing that's happening here is that Lenin, Lenin is being really candid about what it means for there to be a boss, like what it means for there to be someone whose position is above you that can order you to do literally whatever they want, and if you don't obey them, like bad things happen and you starve or get shot. Yeah, and he he's 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 incredibly candid about this, right? Like this 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 is what like having a boss means. It means unquestioning submission to the single will of a leader. This is which is yeah, like this. This is how I talk about Sophie all the time. Yeah. Oh <laughs> well, shaking her head. I'm with you, Sophie. Can't Thanks, believe. Thanks, Gare. We just said that. You're, yeah, you're welcome. Whatever you say, Sophie. Thanks, Gare. <laughs> God, I'm thinking about this. There's this line. Um, it's sort of tangentially related to the story. I read this thing once about so the workers who took over the Sorbonne. Actually, I think it was, a, was it the students who the a bunch of students like take over this uh like like the the, the like the like the big academy in in Paris in 1968, and they send this like t- I think it's a telegram to like the Chinese embassy, and like the end of it is what well, I, I think if I'm remembering the exact words correctly, it's uh the the re- the revolution will not be complete until the un- the revolution will not be complete until the last capitalist is hung with the entrails of the last bureaucrat. Uh, <laughs> incredibly like, hot. Yeah. <laughs> 68 was wild. That's, that's the thing this brought to mind for some reason. But, you know, I, I mean, go, going back to sort of Lenin and his, like, unquestioning, uh, like, submission to the single world, like, he, he's more candid about what, like, one man rule in the factory or, like, having a boss you have to obey like means but the system he's describing like isn't different than any other political system like bolshevik rule in the factory like 
isn't really different than capitalist, social democratic, or fascist rule. And you know, the the movement for democracy in the factory, as as you know, as 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 these people are crushed, especially in Kronstadt in 1921, like the movement for, for democracy in the factory is faced by four implacable enemies who are willing to put aside all of their ideological differences to ensure that like no one ever like gets to control their workplace. And you know, and as as the twenties blend to the early nineteen thirties, like the movement seemed to have disappeared, but they didn't. They absolutely didn't. Even though, even though they got murdered by the fascists, the communists, the social democrats, and the capitalists, uh, they're, they're going to be back next episode to do like twelve more revolutions. And yeah, that that that's, that 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 come 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 back tomorrow for us talking about like why these revolutions happened, uh, what the ruling class did to stop them, and then. Yeah, the the lead up to Tiananmen Square to see the sort of like the, the final stand of the Chinese working class and yeah, like get to what Tiananmen actually was. What a cliffhanger. Wow. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.